lose our viewers. <laughs> doing this sort of thing. Huh? <laughs> Today on the Loaded Goat, Barney tells probably the worst joke in the history of television and comes this close to losing his life savings. We're reviewing Barney on the rebound. Okay, so you think this whole thing is a joke? No. No, I'm sorry. You talk- think this is a joke? You think playing with a young girl's heart is funny? I said he tells the worst joke in history. Oh, so you, oh, okay. All right, we'll debrief on this at the end. All right. All right. So, what did you think of this episode, Christopher? Honestly, fantastic episode. I very much enjoyed it. I watched it after a long day of flying, getting up early, not eating very much, and it was relaxing and calming and enjoyable to stare at. I didn't laugh a whole lot, but I did very much enjoy all the good Barney we got. What did you think, Aaron? I mean, I would agree with you on this. I mean, I really would. I would just say that I thought it was a good episode. It makes me laugh. Um, And for those of you who aren't aware, Christopher and I are are back in the same area for a couple of weeks, and we're actually going to record in person soon. Get on the edge of your seats, kids. I'm going out to the suburbs. (laughs) It's going to, it's, it's going to be wild. (laughs) (laughs) one mic two podcasters what could go wrong i hope our lips don't touch all right so we open with barney giving thelma lou a ride to town she gives him a kiss on the cheek and he actually gets uncomfortable because he says he's a lawman he can't be seen showing pda i mean i was never a fan of pda um in, in high school but i think now you know post 18 i think it's okay to give someone a kiss on on the jaw in public yeah i mean what do you, you think well, do you, you hold usually, hands with your wife in public i do hold hands with my wife in public i'll even give her a kiss but she in public she'll joke and say that when i do it i'm making i'm making eyes to make sure no one's looking so it is you know so it's it is, it is something where i don't know if, if it's really as bad as she makes it out to be sometimes but i mean it's something you're always mindful of i suppose i guess maybe it's a maybe it's a high school thing i don't know it is it is but I never have said I'll kiss you on the jaw or kiss or give, give me a kiss on the jaw. All right. So Barney sees someone park in the sheriff's parking space and he goes to basically ask her to move. It's an attractive female. And I mean, he falls to pieces. I mean, this is just pitiful. I get it. She's gorgeous. She's an attractive woman. Who's this actress? What do we know about her? She's played by Beverly Tyler, who was in a lot of musicals and kind of B-movies in the um, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Very attractive woman, dated Peter Lawford, who was in the Rat Pack. Um, This was actually one of her last roles because she got married the next year and retired from acting. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah. And so then Barney offers to lead her to the post office, which is where she says she's going. And he gives her a siren escort and everything. Thelma Lee sees this and she is not happy. I mean, this is a good, uh, anytime we've got the escort across town, I mean, they must pull this joke every three episodes. But it, I do really appreciate it. It happens a lot. I mean, it's, it is one of those things where Barney, Barney's not really one to learn a whole lot of lessons. And no, he isn't. But, you know, would you have that much perfection just baked into you? Who's to learn? 
Who is to learn? Yeah, that's that's what I always think of. When I think of Barney Fife, I think of perfection. We go to the jail and Thelma Lou is venting to, venting to Andy. Um, Barney comes in and asks Thelma Lou what's, the wrong, what's wrong and then proceeds to give the lady's life story. Her name is Melissa Stevens. She's staying in Mayberry um, with her father and Barney ended up showing her around town. Thelma Lou is mad. Barney says he's a free man, and Thelma Lou breaks up with him. I mean, I tell you what, Thelma Lou and Barney need to work on their communication skills. Mainly Barney. Barney doesn't, yeah. Absolutely. So two things. I do think that, you know, we learn later in the episode who these people really are, but I think they were attracted to this town because of the beautiful curb appeal. They probably came in through the north of Mayberry, saw a beautiful home on the outskirts of town that had just been refurbished, And that's probably why they thought there was some money up for the taking. So that's one point that I think relates to the episode that we just, that we just reviewed. The second piece is this whole scene is full of awkwardness. First and foremost, starting by Thelma Lou holding the bag of groceries that looks like it's full. There's no way this is just full of bread. This probably has some canned goods. This is the 1960s. This is, this is the time of canned goods that I bet he's got, she's got a couple Hormel beans in there that it would be nice at least for, I can't imagine that Andy wouldn't have offered to hold the bag. And then the other weird piece is Andy just sits with his back to them while they're having this whole, this whole fight. He would have walked away. I think you're right on both, both fronts. I mean, I would say Betty Lynn probably was just using a prop bag. You know, that was one of the things on Seinfeld where Michael Richards, who played Kramer, you would see him when he was always moving a heavy bag or something like that. It was always a production of how he bounced the bag. But Michael Richards was always, would always say, I don't want a prop bag. I want an actual bag. I want, I want the actual weight that I'm having oh, really? to deal with. So I'm, I can, you know, I can maneuver with it. And I mean, on Seinfeld, it, you know, it worked, worked very well when he would do, when he would do things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that. That's a fun little tidbit. Um, well, yeah. Betty Lou, is, is that her name? Thelma Lou, played by Betty Lynn. So Betty Lou kind of uh, forgot herself a little bit and missed that damn acting class. Um, well, it may not have been a thing back then. I mean, Michael Richards, I think, was kind of one of the first, one of the earlier ones to do that. I do also. I think- disagree. I disagree. I mean, you're you're talking very specifically on grocery bags. You're not talking like you don't think good actors like Shakespeare was in the 1600s, maybe. That, you know, we had people back then who were able to absorb the parts and figure out just what it took to sell it. You also had Bogart. Come on, man. You also had men playing women um, in in Shakespeare's plays, too. So let's cut Betty Lynn some some slack. But on on top of on on top of that, though, I mean, all I'm saying is it's not everybody was using the actual weight. Um, Something they didn't say. I want to carry something. I want to carry an actual bag of cement. (laughs) This is such a weird thing for us to fight over. I don't want. Well, I think, I think we can in, move on, but I, I think you have come in wholeheartedly wrong. First of all, I think you have come in <laughs> wanting to pick a fight. I think that's really what's been what's been going on here. And I don't know. I don't know. Should we talk about it now, or should we talk about it after the after the podcast? I, you know, I kind of think we should talk about it on Sunday when we do the next recording in person. And I, I wonder if these little little disagreements are going to end in blows if we're in the same room. If that happens, you're going to be in some serious pain. I'm just going to warn you right now. (laughs) 
All right. So it's it's a shame. And, and you're right. Andy should have left. He should have gotten up and walked out. But he's actually trying to help Barney. And Barney's just not listening because, you know, he can't be, t- you know, he doesn't realize what kind of a hole he's digging. But then we go back to the j- to Barney walking into the jail and he's now saying Thelma Lou won't speak to him, which is about right. Andy just smiles as he cleans his gun and says it will all work out. Um, Melissa Stevens calls and invites him over to supper. Barney accepts. Isn't supper? Nope, never mind. Dinner in the country is a true dinner is lunch and supper is dinner. Depends on who you're interchangeable. Depends on who you're speaking with, but yes, some people, some southerners refer to dinner as lunch and or to called lunch dinner, and then supper is supper. I've never have I don't refer to dinner as I don't refer to lunch as dinner. I've just never done that. For those that are uh, dramatic theater off the beaten path buffs, that is something I learned in the show Amber Waves where the one of the the actors talks about supper and dinner and explains that. So for that one person, that might have been an interesting question. Is Amber Waves, what is that, a play about how the America the Beautiful was was written, or is what's, what's it about? It's about a small town family um, growing up in rural areas and kind of the growing pains of, of, of the children and the family living in hardship and through it all of the great Amber Waves of Grain. Yeah. But there, it's just specifically to your question, there are no purple mountains of majesty. What, um, what, what, what role did you play in this play? I did. I played the uh, ecstatic audience member that was a brother of someone in the show. Oh, so you were not in the show. You were just supportive of your brother. I'm a patron. I'm a patron of the arts there, Aaron. I know. I know you are. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> All right, we go to Barney at dinner telling jokes to Melissa and her dad. Her father is played by Jackie Coogan. Um, He was one of the first child stars of the silent movie era and was actually in The Kid with with Charlie Chaplin. What happened to him actually led to what is known as the Coogan Law because his mother and stepfather nearly spent all, basically spent almost all of his money before he turned 21 and he sued them. And they just said he was a terribly, they they were not very nice. And they said, you know, they had no agreement and he was a terribly behaved kid. And he only got like a fraction back of what he um, had made. He'd made like $4 million, you know, as a child actor. And he got, he walked away when he was 21 with about 120,000 of it. So the California law required 15% of a child's actor's earnings to go into a, into a trust. And then it also specified school work and work, school time, work hours and time off for child actors. Oh, interesting. And he was the case that kind of yeah. led to that? Yep. Oh. And as an adult, he played Uncle Fester on The Adams Family. Oh, I never watched that. You know, I never never did either. I saw the movies. I don't know if you've seen the movies or not. The movies are very entertaining. I have not. But if you say it's entertaining, whew, that's quite the ringing endorsement. I mean, it's 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 the you know my my you know Leonard Malton and Aaron Talent's recommendations basically are just you know right right on <laughs> right on par with each other. Uh. Okay, so at the dinner, we know something's not right when they laugh hysterically at this joke. What's yellow has four legs 
flies and weighs a thousand pounds. Give up two 500 pound canaries and they just laugh hysterically at Barney's joke. You know, we don't know what the setup was. Don't we come into this scene like a little bit in the middle? Like maybe that was like, there was a long like 30 minute joke and he's defining what the canaries are and challenging what our expectation is of yellow and what weight actually means. And then it comes together in this beautiful harmony of irony. If you tell that joke in any setting, Christopher, and that person laughs hysterically at your joke, you should know you don't, you can't trust that person. Oh, wow. Well, not far. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well, it's a canary in a coal mine. Yeah. That's what this really is about. Well, have you seen The Sopranos when he really, if you ever watched, did you ever watch The Sopranos? Of course I have, Aaron. I'm not an idiot. I'm not asking if you're an idiot. I'm just asking if you've seen it. Some people haven't watched the watched the series. There's, I don't know if you remember the episode where he's playing, he's at a poker game, Tony Soprano is, and he's his wife has just told him, you don't have friends. You've got a bunch of flunkies who suck up to you and do all of these things. And so he tells this lame joke. He goes, what do you get when you cross an accountant with an airplane? And the punchline is a boring 747. And all the and his men just crack up hysterically and are like pointing, saying that's so funny. It's a terrible joke. They're just they're just sucking up. Yeah, I don't think I even really get it. Is 747 a tax document? No, it's a bore. A, you're an accountant is supposed to be boring. And yeah, a bore. Oh, a Boeing yeah. joke. It's a Boeing joke. Oh, I, I would laugh at that. I do remember that scene, right? Because then his friend loses all of his money and then he has to kill him. No, that's well, that, well, it, that's not the same episode and he doesn't kill his friend, but that, but otherwise, yeah, you're, you're, you're right <laughs> on point. All right, cool. I thought so. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, but anyway, I'm just, I'm just kind of like, if you tell a bad joke and somebody and everybody just laughs hysterically, maybe they're just being polite and that's fine. This is a little ridiculous. Unless listeners, you're laughing at our jokes, then keep laughing. Well, if, if they're laughing, they're, then they must find it funny because we're not, they're not doing it for our benefit. Oh, all right. This has gotten complicated. I mean, I feel like we're splitting the atom here and all we're talking about is bad jokes. I don't, I don't know what's, uh, I don't know, I don't know why this is getting so difficult. All right. Wait, I got one other thing before, after he tells the joke, doesn't he, um, he, pulls out his harmonica and is going to play something. I thought that that was a missed opportunity to not play Juanita on the harmonica. Well, you know, he said, he basically said at one point, Melissa, one night, Juanita, another night. He doesn't need the two of them, um, you know. Exactly. Yeah, crossing. And it looks like he also... His his ability his his harmonica playing is very limited, um, based on what we see in the scene too. So who knows? He might not even be able to play one either. That's true. Yeah, Barney comes in the next morning saying he stayed out until ten thirty. Tells Andy he's going back over to her house that night. I mean, wild animal, wild Barney fight, wild fight. Wild Barney Fife. So back at the house after dinner, Melissa invites Barney into the parlor and her father leaves them alone. When they're alone, Melissa puts the moves on him and turns out the lights. 
tricks basically trip tricks him and says he proposed the dad comes down and they're all celebrating that barney has proposed we go to commercial i mean barely tricks him to propose that was such a stretch yeah you want to spend the rest of your life with me uh oh my god we're getting married yeah i mean you know it's 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 kooky I also am a little bit like watching this that it is interesting. Like, I don't understand how he sees this pretty, pretty, pretty woman when they're in town. And he basically drives the um, leads her to, to the post office with the sirens blazing. But when she wants to make out, he, he gets all uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's definitely the, the cute give and take in that in that scene is when she's coming on to him and he keeps looking and talking about how hot the light is and how it's good to turn it off because he's getting so hot and sweaty. But I agree. Yeah, I mean, he maybe he's more interested in what I call it kinetic energy. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Than the advances of the beautiful woman. He's all talk. Yeah, maybe so. And maybe at the end of the day. He misses Thelma Lou. And Thelma Lou is really the only woman he wants to make out with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we come back from commercial at the Taylor breakfast table, and apparently they have not wasted any time getting the news out that they're that they're engaged. And AMB has reads the engagement announcement from the paper. This is a great ploy. Like if you're trying to swindle someone into marrying you. Just going like there for most people they'd be like, Whoa, I don't know. I guess I'm just married. Yeah. Yeah, no, they 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 are they're basically not not wasting any time. So Opie's confused. He says since Barney has it already has a girlfriend with Thelma Lou. And then Barney comes in and he's just panicked and he's asking Andy for help. Do you think this is a little bit of Ross and Rachel with the copy girl? Like to me, it seems like Barney and Thelma Lou were actually on a break. You think they were on a break? No, they're on a break, yeah. So can Ross get with the copy girl? This is, these are the kind of the age-old questions. Can Barney get with Betty Lou? Um, I mean, I think Barney, I don't think it's a matter of, I don't think it's a matter of, this isn't like Barney's not saying we were on a break. I think Barney, in a couple of, in only a matter of days, Barney feels like his life has been turned upside down. And he misses Thelma Lou. And he misses Thelma Lou. And I don't think Thelma Lou, and Thelma Lou, so we'll cut to, they they get back to Thelma Lou's, Andy, you know, Andy gets, tries to, you know, bring it up. She kicks him out. Barney's leaning against the door. He falls in. But then Andy makes Barney's case for him and Barney adds on. And that's a really funny scene of just Andy trying to make his case. But then Thelma Lou agrees to take him back. But she also, the thing is, is she's not like the engagement stuff and all of that is just silly. Is just silly. She's not yeah. really mad about that. She's kind of like you can't go, you can't just fall all over yourself when a girl smiles at you. That's the um, that's the that's the thing that she gets gets upset about. I, I agree. This part was off, but it also kind of made it clear that she. So let's give benefit of the doubt. Maybe she just knows who she's in love with and knows Barney Fife like is such a bumbling buffoon that he's going to get tricked into being engaged and would never actually propose. 
and doesn't actually know what he's doing. But his real fault is that he's too stupid on the front end and then finds himself falling into these scenarios. I mean, that's pretty much the plot of... But that, that would take a pretty ridiculously empathetic person to be able to remove themselves and detach themselves that much from that scenario. Why didn't you backhand it? Okay, so that so the, the first thing you said of that's you know he's he he's really so dumb on the front end and he falls into all of these scenarios. That's like the plot of seventy percent of the black and white episodes of the Andy Griffith Show. It feels like I don't, but I also would with Thelma Lou. I mean, to fall in love with Barney Fife, don't you have to be an extremely empathetic person? <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Oh, you just thought. All right, so Thelma agrees to take him back. Barney asks Andy to leave so they can make up, and that is the scene where he goes, kiss on the jaw, <laughs> when Thelma Lou gives him a kiss, <laughs> and you just, you know, you're like, oh. And he's like, Andy, can you leave? Yeah, which is funny. But back at the jail, Barney comes in beaming and says he's broken it off with Melissa. He still has not learned any lessons because he says he told her, and it's her own fault. He said, who told her to fall in love with me? <laughs> Which is just the goofiest thing. And then the phone rings and Andy answers. It's, it's Mr. Stevens. And he says he's going to file a breach of promise suit. And asks them to real? be in the office the next morning. So yeah, Christopher, it actually was a thing where it was, if you promised to marry somebody and then you backed out, they could sue you for breach of promise. But it's, uh, as you can imagine, it's a little bit of an archaic law, and it's um, and that and they began repealing it in the um, in the 1930s. Oh, interesting. So outdated. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. I promise I'll do more research then before these podcasts there. No, you know, I, I, first of all, that's an empty promise. That's like that's like thinking you're going, Barney Fife's going to learn some lessons um, after each episode. But yeah, but that's what that's what a breach of promise suit is. Um, so Andy asks Mr. Stevens and Melissa to come in the next morning. Barney's clearly upset, and Andy just says, "Well, I guess that's the price you play, pay for playing the field," which is, is like Andy's just kind of annoyed at by the he's whole having, thing and amused by it too yeah he's having fun with it i'm all right with it. i'm all right with the way andy approaches all this yeah me too um at the jail melissa is sobbing but mr stevens says a cash settlement could cover everything which of course that's what he's gonna say barney walks in and andy says he can resolve the issue and of course he does what the smart thing he begins to marry melissa and barney and, you know, they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And Melissa gets upset and says she's not going to marry this squirt. And it turns out there, there are a couple of con artists and Andy tells them to get out of town. So, first of all, I want to start saying squirt a lot more because I think it's super funny. Yeah. The second piece is I was watching this with my wife and she noticed that she thought that they were con artists at the very beginning when he talks about his nest egg of change that Barney has. Yeah. And there was a little eye contact that they had. But I think I would have missed that without some sort of outside guidance. Yeah. Do you think it's clear early on that they're swindlers? I mean, I've seen it so many times. I don't, and I saw it when I was a kid. So I don't know if, um, 
if I don't, I mean, I already go in with that, with that notion. I will just say, don't fall to pieces when a pretty girl smiles at you. And, you know, I think that's really, that's really what this episode tells me about you is you oh. need to, you need to not be conned. This is actually relevant though. Last Friday, I got catfished. I got okay. a random text that it was a random number and it was like, hey, Duncan, my name's not Duncan. We met at THY party. Uh, you were super cool. I'm coming to town again. Let's see if we can hang out. And I just replied wrong number. And she said, you seem cute. And then sent a picture of a girl's face clearly pixelated, like taken from the screen and said, now that you've seen me, what's your name? And I wanted to just send her money just to get the thing over with, but I was advised against doing it. But I've never actually been catfished before. It's very exciting. I get Facebook friend requests from just random women on the oh, you know, totally. on totally. Uh, all the time. And um, I mean, obviously, it's all it's all a bot thing. But I'm just kind of like, do you see me with my pictures of my cats on Facebook? And you're like, this guy, he's an easy, he's an easy <laughs> target. I don't. I don't know. No, they can tell that all your pictures are in your basement. <laughs> I guess so. So we get after they leave, Barney is stunned and asks Andy how he knew and took a chance with the wedding. And Andy says a couple of things things gave it away, just you know, how they were so eager to, you know, to move forward with everything and you know, they and just just the way they acted. But then he says what we've thought this entire episode. He goes, why would a girl that looked as pretty and flashy in as big city as she did, why would a girl like that want to get involved with the squirt and the then squirt. walks off? It's just <laughs> awesome. This, that scene, I think, I felt like was also maybe ad-libbed, similar to the epilogue a couple episodes back when Barney is singing Frank Sinatra and Barney walks out. I mean, it's the, the quick exit and it's a more, Andy has a fake smile in most of the series so far. And you can see that there's a, he really enjoys this piece. So yeah. I thought a fantastic epilogue. Fantastic. And then, of course, then we go at the epilogue. They're at Thelma Lou's. Andy shows up there. They turn on the lights and they see Barney with his hair all messed up and lipstick kissed all over his face. They've, you know, so he's comfortable being in the, in the dark with Thelma Lou. So, so fantastic. It's so funny. And his face, straight face, looks like Bozo the Clown, lipstick everywhere. Big fan of it. Oh, it's good stuff. So how many whistles? How many stars? You, how many whistles? Whistles. Whistles. I would give this one nine. New characters brought in. Fun fun dynamic. Lots of Barney Five time. Opie still gets to be a smart Alec. I agree. Nine. And some laugh and some laugh out loud lines. Yeah, I would agree. Good episode. Maybe one of yeah. the best yet. Yeah. Any final thoughts? No. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> no, I'm glad we talked. So in the meantime, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Loaded Goat Pod. And if you have any questions or comments for us, go to theloadedgoat.net and submit a question. Next up is Opie's, Opie's Hobo Friend, which is a classic episode. So I'm looking forward to breaking down that one with you, Christopher. And when you sit down for dinner with your wife, ask yourself, why would a girl like that want to get involved with a squirt? <laughs>